Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. All right, here we are back at it again, coming close to Thanksgiving week. And this morning when I woke up, Bob, it was a balmy 55 degrees outside. But right now, I think it's 72. That's awesome. It was like 46 here, felt like 40. It's been pretty cool in the mornings. But I'm not complaining because the sun is shining right now. And St. Louis gets really great. But hey, I want to ask you, what is your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Thanksgiving dish that... You're rolling into the table, not that any of us are going to be with any groups for Thanksgiving this year, but you roll up to the house, you roll up to the table, you walk inside and and you see this is on the table and you go, that's my dish right there. What is it for you? I'm all about some uh, homemade macaroni and cheese. Okay. Not the craft stuff, not Velveeta. I like Velveeta shells and cheese. Matter of fact, I would go so far as to say there has probably not been often I've met a form of macaroni and cheese I didn't like. (laughs) But that real homemade stuff that's like half butter, half just cheddar cheese and and all just it's just like in the 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 caramelized kind of caked cheese on top. That's where that gets me going. I were I was hoping you would were gonna say the cheese that's baked on the top because that is the that is the best part of the homemade mac and cheese. I myself am a mashed potatoes and gravy kind mm-hmm. of guy. Mm-hmm. So you get me, got the turkey, got to have that, got to have the dressing. But I want some mashed potatoes and I want some gravy. And, uh, and that's what I'm looking forward to on Thanksgiving. Turkey gravy? Yeah, turkey gravy. Yeah, yeah. just not out of the jar or the can or anything like that, but homemade gravy. So my wife does not, she's not a gravy person. And I think she... I think gravy makes her angry. She doesn't like it for some reason. Your, your wife's a very healthy person. She is. And, she eats and, pine cones and leaves and <laughs> um, drinks tea. That kind gravy, of stuff. gravy is like the opposite of everything healthy. <laughs> but man, I was raised on gravy, bro. I was like, that was part of my my growing up experience in the South is like gravy. And oh yeah, and I've, not, I've not had gravy on a regular basis since I was a kid. <laughs> I'm sure you can go to a Cracker Barrel and and get your fix. Yeah, I could, but I even that's a little bit too. That's a little too food service gravy for me. There's yeah. a local place I like to go and get uh, fried chicken and mashed potatoes and gravy and green beans, and that makes me feel like I'm at home in the South. I love it. I love it, Bob. Today we're going to talk about long range planning, short cycle planning, and how do what do you do in the midst of COVID? And as we were talking about. This being our topic today, I thought for a minute about this moment back when I was starting out in youth ministry. And I, Bob, are you a, are you naturally a planner? Do you plan ahead a lot on like naturally, or is that a discipline that you have developed over the years? I think it's a discipline that I've grown into. I like you started out in student ministry, and I just would say this: just go on record. Every pastor who has been a student pastor is a better pastor because he was a student pastor. Okay. Want, all right. I just want to state that on the record, right? Because you're managing a tough population of you're working with kids, you're working with parents, you're working with a pastor and you're trying to keep the senior adults from firing. So and you just, you've got a lot of stuff going on as a youth pastor, all that to say, Jimbo, 
I think that I learned to plan a little bit more effectively after several years of experience in ministry with mm-hmm. some folks who were good planners. And right now I would consider myself more of a, a medium planner in the sense of I want to give attention to the future and I want us to think about it carefully and critically, but I don't have everything like detailed out. That's probably me. Yeah, I am very naturally not a planner, but it has taken me years to develop a great appreciation for planning. So I would say I've come to the point that I value what planning can do for what I'm trying to accomplish so much that I I do prefer to have some form of a plan going into things. But I'm also very comfortable kind of just winging it when necessary. I remember early in youth ministry, our church that I was at was a revitalization, and it had grown to a point that it really needed an associate pastor, executive pastor type, and which is definitely not me. And so they brought in another guy who I'm still good friends with, loved the guy to death, but our personalities collided when he got there. And I, I will never forget him coming to me and saying, hey, I need a budget and a calendar plan for the next six months of youth ministry. And when that hit my ears, Bob, I remember thinking I could sooner do a triple sum- somersault <laughs> across the stage on Sunday morning than I could ever plan anything for the next six months of, <laughs> of my life. And then on top of that, a budget to go with it. Yeah, yeah. So just to clarify, somersaulting across the stage was not a part of that church. You guys weren't that kind of church, were you? No. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'm just checking. <laughs> I just knew that there was a much higher likelihood that I could accomplish that than actually plan something out six months in advance. Sure. And I just want to, can I just call this out too? Most really good youth pastors are not great planners. They're just dynamic and catalytic mm-hmm. and visionary and relational and they're fun to be around and all that sort of thing. That personality and that skill set typically doesn't lead towards long range planning. So one, I think when we're talking about this, you may have a personality that like you love to plan, like you wake up. And I don't know if you remember, there were these little books that were called day timers. Have you ever heard of a day timer? It's yeah, like a- I've seen one, I think at the Smithsonian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I got, when I first became uh, a youth pastor in my first professional role, full-time job as a youth pastor, uh, the pastor bought, bought me a day timer. And for three or four months, he forced me to use that day timer. And every week when we met, I had to basically give account about how I was using my time and mm. what I was doing. And he, he required it in a way that was form, formative for me and was good. And it wasn't from a place of crisis. It was a place of formation. I think he just saw down the road. Okay. This guy's never really done ministry. He's never really planned. And he's stepping into at that time was a medium sized church, a church about 500. And, uh, and it was going to be imperative that Mm -hmm. I learned to do it. So yeah, man, that was my start in planning. And then I think from that point on, I've just tried to, and I guess I would say this, I think you can over plan and you can underplan. Mm-hmm. And if you can be right in the middle and find a sweet spot, that's probably a good place to live. Yeah, there has to be some level of flexibility as you plan, and especially right now. And so let me ask you, Bob, talking about flexibility, 
I have gotten to the point in ministry that I do now like to plan one year in advance. I, mm-hmm. I like to plan the calendar. I like to plan the sermon preparation, what what text will get preached for a full year. And now I never like planning the budget for any amount of time, but that <laughs> becomes necessary. But I do, I enjoy now the planning and thinking out through how, how's this going to look for the next year. And I may drop some tips of some things I've done, skills I've learned over the years and tools I've gathered that help me with that as I start to plan out a year in advance. But, and this is normally the time I would be doing that, but man, with COVID, it's really hard to plan real far in advance right now. Yeah, absolutely. Most of the guys that we're talking to and connecting with, and probably a lot of our listeners who are in suburban areas, metro areas that are not in the South, are now facing new restrictions regarding attendance and groups and outreach events and all those sorts of things. So all those plans that you had, perhaps three or four months previous, have now all been wiped off the board. And particularly one of the things that we're seeing, not only in our church, but also I think across North America, is guys really aren't able to plan a lot of things because most of our plans are dependent upon people. Mm -hmm. And if our people are not coming to church like they were before COVID hit, and our leaders are dialing in and and watching the services online, or we're all meeting, all our leadership meetings are online. We just don't have the horses in the stable to pull off the plans perhaps that we made. And the other thing too, Jimbo's, and this is different for our context. I know you are in Florida, which is the wild West. Like you guys (laughs) barely have any law and certainly no order there in Florida, but here, man, it's, there's nobody doing anything, right? Like people are driving in their cars and that sort of thing, but people are legitimately concerned and afraid because of the COVID cases that are spiking in the St. Louis Metro. So Barb and I were out yesterday. This yesterday was the last day we could go out and sit down at a restaurant for the next four weeks. And so part of it was like, let's go out, let's go to a restaurant, let's go somewhere, let's tip the server, let's, this is our last hurrah. We can do curbside and all that kind of stuff, which is great, but Let's go sit down in a restaurant. So we decided we were going to go to a place called the California Pizza Kitchen. You ever heard of that place? I have, yeah. I've Some seen the frozen boxes in Walmart. <laughs> in the- they actually make real pizzas and real food at their restaurant. It's not Applebee's where you microwave <laughs> everything or Chili's or you know something like that. But So they actually make real food there. But anyway, we roll in there and it's at the Galleria Mall, which is... Uh, in a higher end area in St. Louis. And it's usually pretty full whenever we've been there before. Bro, it was like a ghost town. Like the overhead music was so stinking loud that we walked in because there's no noise and no people. It was like frightening how loud. And you had somebody going, welcome to the Galleria. And we we were just like, what is that? And then it looked like the apocalypse had happened or the rapture and like hardly anybody was in there. It was amazing. All that to say, most of us had plans for Christmas that we're simply just not going to be able to pull out, pull off because we don't have the people. And if we did, the people might not come. Now, I will say this. Anything that you can do that's a drive up and drive through nature, you're probably going to win in our metro area. But if you're counting on in-person stuff, you're, you're probably not going to see a win in the same regard. So I think 
long-range planning right now during the cycle of COVID and this pandemic probably needs to be short-cycled for two or three months at a time, maybe six months, maybe nine months at the longest. That's what we're looking at doing. Yeah, I think there is a benefit to still very loosely trying to plan a year in advance, but I I would not plan a whole lot of stuff and everything that I everything you do put on the calendar, I think has to obviously be held with a loose grip and has to have contingency plans of if we are still deep in the midst of COVID regulations, what does that look like? If we don't have the people, the volunteers to do it, what does that look like? Because I I don't know, Bob, I really, I found myself a little bit reeling at first when COVID first hit early this year. And I'm a thinker, I'm a brainstormer, and I I don't like stopping at obstacles. I will hit an obstacle as many times as I have to figure out how to get around it. And I I just try to persevere and push and I don't want to stop. But I really found myself at a loss when COVID hit because every idea I had involved breaking COVID regulations. And I, I, I really struggled to figure out like how to do something without getting people too close or having people interact. And my favorite that I, I gave Wesley from 180 Digital, who goes to our church and is an elder at our church, I gave him a really hard time because our first Sunday back in person, he had created a graphic for our social media back together. And the image, stock image he used was like a bunch of people with like their hands on top of each other, like teamwork. And I was like, that's literally the worst stock image you could possibly put on this thing. <laughs> like we have to tell everybody, no, don't touch each other. You, you, you can't do that. It can be a really overwhelming idea to try to figure out. So what are some ways, Bob, that we could think through two to three months at a time, with realistic expectations and push through to what needs to happen. Yeah, I listened to a great podcast by Jeff Orge this on Monday, and we'll link it in the show notes because I think he does a fantastic job. And I, I remember, I think he had four, three or four questions. I remember, I think three of them just right at the top of my head. But one of the things he said is they're asking, I think it's important for us to ask, what did we stop doing that we never need to do again? And so there's a lot of things that that we do in the church life, in the church world that are just busy work and we don't need to do them again. So just put those things to bed and really don't pick them up. And you just need to, to think through, have there been some things that we haven't been able to do, like you said, because of the regulations and because of the type of ministry and the means and the mode of ministry. And so there are several churches that or many churches will be able to say, yeah, there's several things that we can't do that we used to do. So I think that's one. The other one is what did we start doing that we should continue or improve? And as we're thinking about that, and here was this has been a transition for me, and I want to be cautious in saying this. I'd love to have your feedback. Our getting our services online were an effort for us to provide an experience for the people who normally would gather for worship with us in person, but for concerns of COVID would stay home. And so we decided our goal is to get our to get a reliable stream up online and to get as a good a quality as if this person was sitting over on this side of our church where our camera is, and if they were watching the service from this place, to duplicate that as best as possible, right? 
not to have cool transitions and good graphics and all those sorts of things. But as COVID has persisted and as our crowd has stayed home, I've decided we've got to think through how do we go to the next level on our streaming of our service? Again, we're not trying to, we're not going to install lights and fog machines and all that kind of stuff. But I think there's some things we need to do to step up our, our game a little bit. Because here's the deal, everybody's online. And before your service, depending on if you're West Coast, you could watch everybody in North America who's online before you. If you're mountain, it's almost the same thing. If I'm in Central, I can watch everybody that's on Eastern or has a church start that's earlier than my church start. And let me tell you, I see some really good online services and I see some really not good online services. And ours is in the middle. And, And so that's a question we're asking. What did we start that we need to improve. And so in the cycle planning, this is, we're short cycling, looking at our budget right now going, okay, we just lost an admin. Do we really need an admin or do we need to hire a part-time tech person or do we need to pay the guy that's doing our tech right now as a volunteer and who who's looking for part-time work? Do we need to shift our admin salary to him to give him a little more bandwidth and also provide a little more benefit for those who are watching at home. So that those are two questions that we're asking Jimbo, I think, that are helping us to think through the future. And then I'll hold off on another one, but I'd love to get your thought on that. I think COVID has provided us an opportunity to rethink everything and absolutely everything. I've told our staff as we started trying to figure out how to come back, I said, please don't make the mistake of just trying to get back to how things were before. The Lord was not surprised by this. He has a plan for the church in this. And so this is an opportunity to step back. And I asked each of our kind of staff leaders, and I say, I use that word staff very loosely. That's mostly volunteer people, but people that lead in certain areas. I asked them, just go back to to a blank sheet. In your area of responsibility and influence, What is the best possible way for you right now in that ministry area right now in the midst of everything that's going on to make disciples that make disciples that impact our community for the gospel? How do we do that? And I don't want you to burden yourself trying to reproduce things that we can't right now reproduce. And we may never need to reproduce exactly the same way. Just think through what is the best way. And so I I think it's good to think through that. And maybe, I I don't know that production level has to be the the key. Like you're saying, you don't have to have lights and unbelievable transitions and things like that. But just like you consider the comfort and palatability of everything that you do at this point and how your sanctuary is designed, what your guest services is like, is the air conditioner or heater on appropriately to the right temperature? These are all things that we try to think through just so that those things don't become obstacles. And I think in that same way, you're on a great track of thinking, not how do we have great production so that we can have great production, but how do we just make the best and engage people as much as we can with what we've got? And I think some of that can even be as easy as you're already videoing it now. So take those video files. And what if you made little snippets of some of the best points, right? And then that becomes easier digestible on social media where people are going to be 
a lot more open right now to sit and watch something like that than maybe they were before. And so as we're short range, short cycle planning, long range planning right now, you really have probably one of the best opportunities you'll ever have in ministry to start from a blank sheet Mm -hmm. and just go back to the drawing board and just think, but think, what are we trying to accomplish? And let's make sure everything we're doing, because we're going to be so limited in what we can actually do. We're going to be limited financially in what we can do. We're going to be limited personnel, people, volunteer-wise, what we can do. We're going to be limited people-wise in what we can do because of how many people can gather or how close they can be. We're going to be limited in how many people are actually going to come to something versus we're going to have to figure out how to get to them. And within those limitations, we can either sit here and grumble and complain or we can figure out what to do with what we've got. I've been preaching through Philippians and I've just, it's hit me, man. What would the apostle Paul do in 2020? He wouldn't sit and grumble and complain. I know that because he talks about, he's sitting there handcuffed to a Roman Praetorian guard. And so he's sharing the gospel with Roman Praetorian guards. And he's look, what's happening to me is being used to advance the gospel. And so how do we figure out what's happening to us how can it be used to advance the gospel? And I think part of that is recognizing the moment we're in and adjusting accordingly by going back to the drawing board and just thinking through what is the most important things for us to accomplish. If we could only accomplish a couple of things really well, what would those things be? Mm-hmm. The key is that this, I think, is another question that, that Jeff Orge asked is what's happening in the culture right now? And the culture, thinking through the culture in your church and the culture in your community and in our country, and thinking about through the culture of our church, a lot of our families are just exhausted and worn out, and they are, they're just, they're tired, and they're stressed. One of our moms with two children under the age of three is now in her fourth quarantine cycle. She's not been. She's not been tested positive with COVID, but she's been exposed. And and so she's had to quarantine. And her husband was telling me he's, she's been in quarantine half of the time that all, since all this has been going on. So we've been doing this eight months. Well, she's been in quarantine for four of those months, really, all total. The Another way to find out the cultures is just to ask your people. I, w- I was talking to one of our church attenders, and he is a vice principal at a high school. And I said, how's it going? And he said, it's really very stressful. He said, my full-time job now is contact tracing. Mm-hmm. And, and he said, so that's all I do. And, and most of our staff are out and they're not out because they're sick, but they're out because they've been exposed. And, and so everybody's just stressed and exhausted. And I said, how are you doing? And he goes, I'm just exhausted all the time and very tired. Another one of our members works for uh, a medical company. They're working on the vaccine and, and he's on Zoom like from eight till five all day, every day. And, and he's on online meetings and he's meeting with not only just his team, but clients and all those sorts of things. So here's what I'm thinking, Jimbo, because we're our, most of our families are staying away. We've got small group. We just got a really small crowd. We had a COVID exposure in our Sunday school class. And so that took out of our all of our old adults out. And so it's been like me, Barb, and the tech guys and a handful of other folks at the church. And when I interact with my people, there are really legitimate reasons why they're not there. Okay. And so one of the things that I'm having to ask is what's happening in the lives of my people and the culture of our community and our people. And 
as much as I want to really uh, press fast forward with a campaign to get everybody online in small groups and to do all those things, I think it's just going to, it would be a complete miss because the, the, just those stories that I've told you, how does that sound to a mom who's been shut up with her kids for four months or a vice principal who is exhausted at the end of the day or a guy who's online all day, every day, all the time. And so I think one of the things that I have to resist is the temptation to throw the car in gear and really put some, put a heavy burden on my folks right now. Mm-hmm. And I just want to confess that's really hard for me as a pastor yeah. because I'm really, I, we've got to gather and we need to encourage one another and we need to be face to face with each other, but we can't right now. And then my people are stressed. And so they hear my call for us to live in community together. And the best we can do is do it online. They hear that differently. They Uh hear that through, they hear that through the lens of stress and fatigue and frustration. And I have to acknowledge that. And and that's not going to be forever, but that's going to be for right now. I'm not saying we don't challenge and we don't try to get them together, but we, it's just different, man. It's really different right now. I think it's such a challenging time. And the key thing is, and we hammer this all the time on here, what really matters is making disciples. Mm -hmm. And so just figuring out how to do that. And as a pastor, knowing how to celebrate stories of God moving and not statistics, Mm -hmm. you cannot grade yourself and your leadership on statistics right now. You just can't. We don't know how to measure what's happening right now at all. It's normally hard to really, truly measure what God is doing in a church anyway. But right now, it's really complicated and hard to measure it. And so I would say to our listeners, man, don't try to measure it. But try to find those moments where God has used you and used your church in somebody's life. And that can be as simple as encouraging somebody right now that's a believer that's struggling and helping lift them up. That can be as simple as getting together with two guys. I've got two guys right now that I meet with on Saturdays and we're going through Robbie Gowdy's growing up book. We do it from a social distance and we're doing discipleship. And sometimes that's the the only highlight of my week and I think we have to make sure that we are focused on those types of things and celebrate those things. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.